you have to like have this trust that when you have something at this place that you know that you're going to go back and have the same thing again and you get really scared if you don't i know that there are restaurants like if i go there once and it's great and then i go back the next time and it's not it's not the same thing it wasn't the same way i had it last time um i'm scared what's up zach Oates here author entrepreneur and customer relationship guru welcome to give an ovation growth strategies for restaurants and retailers where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business this podcast is sponsored by ovation the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy real time and actually drives revenue learn more at ovationup.com Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Josh Sharkey, the founder and CEO of Mies, which has an app for chefs to ideate, organize, execute, and search on recipes. Uh, but he's not a newbie to being a foodie. He started as a line cook over 20 years ago, although when you see him, you're going to be like, wait, isn't he 20? Uh, he ran his own New York City restaurant for six and a half years, was CEO of Orify Brands for four years, and was introduced to me by Kristen Barnett. And let me tell you something, if you've impressed her, you have made a whole new level of success in life because she is an extremely impressive person. Uh, so anyway, thank you, Kristen, for introducing us. Josh, so great to meet you, man. Great to meet you as well. And, and glad to have you on the podcast. Um, first of all, talk to me a little bit about Mies. What, what is Mies? What does it do? Well, I mean, Mies is really my answer for what everything that I wanted out of a tool for, uh, for chefs, you know, for everything that we do in the kitchen. So it's a, it's a recipe tool dedicated to, to all of that. So recipe development, training, collaboration, sharing, uh, obviously costing and nutrition analysis and really centralizing that entire process into one very easy to use tool. And why do people like, what's the, what's the ROI of that? Well, I mean, you know, on, on a dollar and cents, you know, scale it from, from a business perspective, uh, there's an incredible amount of, of savings as it, as it pertains to labor um, and food costs because we are empowering, you know, chefs with a tool uh, to truly impact their, uh, their, their theoretical costs, which really just means like creating menu items that from the get-go are profitable um, because you have at your fingertips in real time, not mm -hmm. only all the real-time costs, but all the sort of... Um, necessary data that is associated with these ingredients to to get a real actual cost you know for instance if you're using mint leaves you know you're really you know you're, you're using you know far more than you think because you have this 40 percent yield on leaves when you just pull the leaves off and things like that so we we add all that information in so that you don't have to you don't have to go find it so that when you're building a recipe the cost that you see is is an incredibly accurate cost and you see it as you're building this recipe um, so reducing food costs and also, um, you know, creating an environment where you can add training, um, add training materials to, to every step of this recipe and share it with your team really quickly um, so that you're reducing the amount of time it takes to train, the amount of time it takes to, to roll out a menu item. And, and we've experienced it in restaurants that I've run. And, and now we're seeing it, obviously, across all the restaurants that, that, that are using these. So at what stage of a restaurant should I, as the chef or owner, be really focused on? the recipes and like the actual cost of the recipes? When, when do I stop eyeballing it? Uh, well, I mean, uh, I mean, I think this is an obvious answer just <laughs> immediately, right? You should always know, you know, your, your cost of goods, right? Um, the, the problem is that, um, you know, oftentimes you, you might think, you know, uh, but the theoretical cost much, versus the um, actual, right? 
yeah, you have to have all this information in order to really get the cost of that recipe and, and, um, and you should know it right away, right? You should know like how much something costs and how much you're selling it for, even if the margin is not as great as you'd like it to be. At least you want to know that, right? Because it gives it gives you the the levers that you need to be able to you know determine what to what to do on your menu. Now, what are some mistakes that you've seen chefs make with recipes? Because you've you've both been you know line to chef to owner to COO of multiple and now technology. So you've seen this really from every single angle that you can, what are some common mistakes that you see? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're mistakes. You know, I think chefs have not, we haven't had a tool, you know, that, that helps us. So there's a lot of things that we've just had to do, but like some of the most common things I see is the assumption of what you think the cost is of a recipe um, versus what the, the, the actual cost is because, you know, when you peel that onion, how much are you losing? When you, you know, when you cut that lettuce, how much is gone and, you know, how much is, does a cup of, you know, of chopped cilantro actually weighs so that you can calculate the cost. And um, all that stuff is really important if you want to get the cost of these recipes, especially at scale. And most of the time, you know, um, uh, you know, most of the time chefs are, are maybe just looking at the cost of the protein, right? Um, and then just adding adding a little bit on for the for the for the rest of the ingredients, and um, and that and that only works to a certain degree, and then it becomes very dangerous because you know if you think something costs you know three dollars and it ends up costing you seven dollars, which happens so often, um, the impact of that is is pretty is pretty incredible. So on one end, I would say that you know the the assumed cost of the recipe, uh, and then the other end, I would say um, that there's a big delta between implicit and explicit when it, when you're like creating this, these recipes and chefs are very creative people and they're very sort of, um, um, you know, the thing that they write in their recipe and we've all been guilty of it, um, isn't nearly as clear as what they actually expect to happen out of that recipe. Right. And, um, and so, you know, when you pick up a recipe and you're going to sort of, you know, read it and use it, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if he, if you're following it step-by-step very often, I would say the majority of recipes, you know, you'll make wrong if you just follow the instructions as is, if there are instructions at all. And so we want to help close that gap and make it really, really easy um, to, to add all these instructions, to add any sort of like supporting images or videos if you need, and then to update it very quickly and, and disseminate that to your team. So um, those are two, I think you know, making recipes very explicit and then understanding the cost of the recipe are, are two things that I think are a really big opportunity for chefs to, to improve upon. Now, costs are a really tricky thing though, Josh. Like how do you analyze costs in such a fluctuating market. I mean, when chicken wings are forexing in price and proteins all over the map and, you know, you got to switch from one to the other and then they don't have the one anymore. Like how do you recommend chefs deal with the current situation of the supply chain issues? Yeah. Well, I mean, there is some of that built into the tech, by the way, like we, we create an audit system so that if something does go up in price more than a threshold, typically that threshold is twice as much or half as much or something um, that you'll, you'll be forced to sort of like um, it, it gets forced to be put in front of your face. So you see like, Hey, wait a second. Are you sure that you're using this? Because look, the price just doubled. Um, and so we, we try to help with that, but in general, like when you're trying to navigate those costs right now, uh, you know, I would always just say, assume the worst. Right. Like, uh-huh. you know, assume that the price will be the highest that you've seen and, and go off of that. Um, and um, and otherwise, just, you know, make sure that you like that you at the very least really understand, like the economics of that of that dish uh, and that, you know, very clearly what the cost is. It's it's so that you can then iterate on it if you need to. Right. It's very similar to like in the kitchen, you know, mise en place. Right. So like if you want to. um 
if you want to sort of innovate while you're in the kitchen, right? I remember in the days at, at, at Boulay, so we had a restaurant called Boulay in New York. And, um, and you know, there would be often times when like right at service, the chef would come in and change the entire menu, right? And for you to be able to sort of pivot and, 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 and make new things and make pasta on the fly, all these things, you had to have everything else dialed in and set right. up and in place and organized. And so in the same regard, like I think about that and I translate that to, 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 to running a business, like these things fluctuate every day. It's not just that prices fluctuate, but like your team fluctuates and someone doesn't show up and lots of stuff happens in a day. And so um, you need to be, you know, incredibly organized so that when the inevitable does happen every day, um, those are the things that you're addressing and not the sort of baseline table stakes, which is like, know your costs, know, you know, know where all your, all your content is and know sort of how you're executing. Now, going back to your days over at Bark Hot Dogs in New York, what do you wish, you know, you, you ran that place for over six and a half years. You were, the, you were the chef, you were the inventor of this concept. What do you wish you would have known in the beginning of that that you know now? Oh, my God, like a million things. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where I, would, where I would begin. There's so many sort of aspects of... of um, because it was it was a great it was a great spot. I mean, I read some awesome articles about uh, bark hot dogs, and you know, it looks like you know, and, and to run a restaurant for six and a half years in New York City, you got to be doing yeah. something right. You know, I think, um, and we, you know, I think we had some 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 real estate troubles at the you know at the end with one of our locations, and then you know, the ultimate reason why I closed was I was just so infatuated with building me's that I knew that that had to be the next step, and I was either going to you know, carry on with Bark and take on a much larger investment. And really that would be the next 10 years of my life or, um, or this, and this, I, I felt I have a much bigger impact on our industry um, by building these. And so I decided to, to do that instead. I would say, you know, I mean, there's, there's countless lessons, obviously any, anybody who's run a restaurant business and has owned a business knows that like you're just constantly learning and failing and, and, and learning from those failures. One of the things that um, um, maybe not germane to what we're talking about right now, but uh, one of the things I learned is that it doesn't really matter. Like you have to have an incredible product, right? That's just table stakes. Uh-huh. And, um, and also like, you know, don't go into the business if you don't, if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to, to, to be dedicated to that. And I just love creating, you know, great, great food and great products. Um, but absent of, um, of, a, of a really good plan of how you're going to communicate that, <laughs> that product to people, uh, it doesn't really matter. Like, you know, I think Bark was recognized as best hot dog in America and best casual restaurant in America. And we were clearly like sort of doing things very differently that didn't exist before. But, you know, we were very young. I was very young back then. And, and the assumption was just like, it's good. So people were just going to come, you know, and it will continue to sort of grow that way. And that's not always, that's not, that's not the case. You, know, you need a really good product, but you also need to deploy a really like, you know, um, tactical marketing plan against that to, to, to help people understand why it's good and why it's different. And, uh, and that was a really good learning lesson for me um, that, you know, one doesn't happen without the other. Yeah. Cause that seems like it was a uh, you know, the table stakes of having the good food, right. As you look back in the history of restaurants, you know, you started off with table stakes was you had to be open and have food, right? And then you had to have good food. And then you had to have good food and service. And I tell people that in 2020, in, you know, you had the next set of table stakes added for the first time in 50 years. And that is, you got to have digital as well. You, you have to, that is table stakes now. You have to have the online ordering. You have to have the tools to help your restaurant succeed. Um, 
Mies, I think that's a great operational tool to that that shows the power of the digitization. And you know, in San Francisco, they always say the niches, the riches are in the niches. And what you're doing at Mies, I think, is a is a great concept um, because it, at the end of the day, it's helping create a more consistent, more unique guest experience, right? So along those lines, what do you feel like is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? Well, I think there's really, there's two, right? There's um, there, uh, consistency and connection, right? So, so again, if we're assuming that table stakes is, is good product, good food, and, and, and some are going to argue that like, there, there is a commoditization of like, of food concepts now where, you know, it, it, where sometimes they think as long as you have enough market share that like, it doesn't matter, but I, I, I don't agree with that. And I think brand equity is really important. And so to that degree, like, I think consistency is the number one most important thing, you know, in terms of evergreen solution, right? Because um, it like, like anything, you have to like have this trust that when you have something at this place that, the, you know, that you're going to go back and have the same thing again. And you get really scared if you don't. I know that there are restaurants, like if I go there once and it's great, and then I go back the next time and it's not, it's not the same thing. It wasn't the same way I had it last time. Um, I'm scared because I'm like, yeah, oh, right? what's going to happen next time, right? And so I think consistency is, is um, really under, un, uh, you know, underestimated in terms of the, the importance of, 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 of retention and retention is also growth. So having a consistent product is, is of the utmost importance. And I think now... Um, you know, and it's not that now it's any different, but I think that consumers are, are, are far more educated than before and there's far more competition than before. Um, and so that connection uh, is really important. Having that sort of brand equity and like, and, and sort of having that sort of, um, you know, that touch where you're like, this feels like this restaurant and I can sort of put a pin on it and like, it makes me feel this way. I think yeah. it's really important. And you can't just have, you know, a product um, you know, absent of some sort of experience that goes along with it. And digitally, that, that's, the, that's the, the case as well, right? So even if it's not that you're going into a restaurant and sitting down and talking to a server and hearing the music and, you know, smelling the food and feeling the vibes, and um, that's obviously connection and experience. But digitally, the same thing applies, right? And we're still just like at the tip of the iceberg of, of what that means, right? Like, you know, how does your food arrive? What does it look like when it arrives? Like, how do you, how do you give feedback? How can you um, connect with those, you know, with that sort of business that you never even talked to before and how do you know that that there's payoff to that feedback and uh-huh. um and then how do you sort of like learn you know like about what else that you can get because you just had something good um, well josh if you if you've ever listened to any of this podcast you know the best way to give feedback is a 75 question survey after you type in a 26 digit unique restaurant code you know that's that's uh isn't, isn't that how you give feedback the most effective way <laughs> that's that's your world man I'll, I'll leave that to you <laughs> yeah the answer is no um but that consistency like you're talking about that ex- consistency in the experience that is what yields trust and that's the conversation that's going on right now is what is loyalty and loyalty really boils down to trust and as the more consistent you are the more they can trust they know what to expect when they come to your restaurant and if I know what to expect, then I'm excited. And, and even if that expectation is, hey, the menu is going to be changing and there's always new things there, I go there expecting that. And that's something that, uh, that, that's, that stays exciting. What, what's yeah. not great is the same dish. You know, you go three times, you have three different ways. That's, uh, that's yeah. not the kind of excitement that guests are looking for. Absolutely. I, 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 and I'm also like a, you, this is not necessarily food focused, but I'm a... Uh... 
I'm a huge fan of Reed Hoffman. I've always, uh, I uh-huh. found so, so insightful and he, he's always uh, said, and I think it was him that said this, that trust equals consistency over time. Um, and that has always been so compelling to me, right? Because um, um, it's so simple, right? Just do something well consistently over a, enough period of time and people will, you know, will, will develop trust for you. And that means it's not just once, it's not like one really good experience. It means that the same, it's the same experience over an you know, extended period of time is how you build trust. And, um, and I think it's, it's no, it's no, no truer than today. So. Absolutely. So what are some successful things that you've seen restaurants try lately besides using these? I think in general, like restaurants are, uh, and some have, some knew this before, some, uh, and some just didn't, maybe didn't think that it was an opportunity, but in general, restaurants are embracing multiple revenue streams, right? They understand like, mm-hmm. okay, a four wall box is limiting, right? And first of all, like one day part is very limiting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're paying for 24 hours of, 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 of space here. Um, you know, what, what's every, pla- every way that we can extract, you know, you know, value out of what we're doing. Um, and so restaurants are the restaurants that embrace that and really um, can figure out um, how do we couple you know, um, maintaining our integrity and our brand and what we do best while still um, increasing the amount of channels where we sort of can uh, gain revenue, right? So they're adding on delivery. Maybe they're adding on CPG. Maybe they're taking on contracts with, you know, institutions like hospitals and things like that. Uh, Maybe they have a direct-to-consumer thing that they're working on or a subscription. There's lots of ways in which, you know, food can be, you know, like given to, to, uh, to consumers and I think restaurants are, are, are now seeing this wide open space of like, wait a second, it's not just restaurant, you know, cu- customers coming into our restaurant. It's every way that we can sort of, you know, provide, provide what we do. Uh, and if they can do that while, like I said, while maintaining the integrity of who they are, like, and why they exist, uh, I think that like the ones that are doing that are, are, are being really successful. Love that. Now, who deserves innovation in the restaurant industry today? Uh, you mean restaurants? Or, well, I would say, like, look, anybody running a restaurant <laughs> deserves an ovation. I, every single, I'm on a, on a call with a restaurant owner, or more, more often a chef, every you know, several times a day, and you know, all of them, you know, I think are are just the fact that they're doing this and that they're getting through this crazy new time. Um, I think is just it's just so commendable. I I wouldn't be able to name one restaurant because there's so many of them that I love. On the other there, side of the spectrum, I think there are some great technologies coming out that that um, outside of me that I think are that are that are really cool um, and that are really helping um, make like helping people operate better. Um, I'll, you know, I'll give a shout out like Blanket. I think is I don't, I think yeah, Michael Jacober, cool. dude, he's he's a baller. Um, I think they're really changing you know the game of making it so easy to sort of like manage um, tasks and manage consistency of like tasks in a in a business. So. Um, so I love that, but like, you know, I would be remiss to like actually like name one restaurant because there's so many and I, and, and I love so many of them. Yeah, that's a good point. I should have, I should have uh, MJ on here. He's a, uh, he's a stud. Um, he's, he's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Josh, how do people find you, follow you and your brand? Uh, get me's. So G E T M E E Z. Um, so get me's.com. And that's also our handle on Instagram uh, at get me's. Um, I'm on Instagram, although I don't really, I, I post probably twice a year, but I do repost <laughs> for, for me. So that's Josh L. Sharkey. Um, but yeah, go to, go to www.getmes.com. Um, and you can actually um, sign up for a, um, you know, for a free trial and 
test out, test out the product. Um, and we also, by the way, we have this new holiday promotion. that's pretty cool where you can give the gift, the gift of me's to, to a chef that you love. And, um, and we're donating, donating 10% of all the proceeds from that, uh, to, to IRC. Um, so it's just another shout out there. Um, if you want, that's getmes.com slash gift for chef. But. Awesome. Well, Josh, for building, uh, for, for building me's to give us the recipe for success and for showing us that in part, at least one of the ingredients of the fountain of youth has something to do with six years of hot dogs. Today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us and giving ovation, Josh. Thanks, Zach. Good, good seeing you, man. Likewise. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.